Hello, my name is Zita Harkaran. This is Sadna and Books podcast, and I am here today with Hari Kaur Khalsa. <laughs> uh, it's a huge privilege for me to have Hari Kaur here because she is my first teacher and actually the one teacher that I studied with for many, many years, level one, level two, and many other trainings. And um, she is, uh, of course, Kundalini Yoga teacher, Qigong teacher. She has been chosen as top 10 yoga influencer in the West by Yoga Journal. She is also an author of two books, one's book of yoga, embracing our natural life cycles, which is very beautiful for women that starts from early childhood almost and goes through all phases of woman's life, right? Yeah. Until menopause. Um, and then woman's book of meditation, the power of the peaceful mind and what that can create for you in your life. She's also certified yoga therapist. And of course, she has a yoga studio, uh, one in a city called Hari NYC, and also one online, also Hari NYC. So you can catch her online or in person in New York City. So welcome, Hari. So Thank nice you to so have much. you here. <laughs> How Thank are you, you so doing much, today? Zita Ahar Karen. I am so happy that you invited me and. Anytime I get the opportunity to spend time with Zita, it's just wonderful. She's an <laughs> incredibly inspiring yogi and teacher. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we inspire one another. We need one another. That's why I wanted to have these conversations so that I can kind of like know, you know, how are you doing? How are you thinking about spirituality? Uh, what's supporting you, you know, and how can we, what can we learn from you so that we feel supported as well. So let's start from like the beginning. What brought you to Kundalini Yoga? And then why did you decide to dedicate your life and all your time basically to teaching Kundalini Yoga? Thank you for asking me that. <laughs> I think that as we grow, that answer actually changes. So at this moment in, um, I like saying in my limited awareness, because I, I think more will get revealed to me over time, that uh, since I was a child, I was very spiritual, I became religious, and I was a seeker. And since I was very young, and I consider my first spiritual teacher to be my grandfather, Mm -hmm. And he was just wonderful. I grew up, uh, he was, uh, we were Jewish. And so I spent time at the synagogue chanting and singing and watching him move. And he was the kindest, sweetest, most beautiful person, patient, and just like an oasis of love for me. And so I watched what he did when someone's like that, you kind of imitate them. Mm -hmm. So I'll never forget the day when I ended up knowing enough Hebrew and, and enough to get lost in my prayer, right? I knew the stuff enough to get lost in it. 
where one day when he came into the synagogue, he sat behind me. And that was really a big deal because he was, you know, watching me and it was really a, mm -hmm. a very beautiful time. And uh, uh, many experiences when I was young that were uh, religious and spiritual. And as I started seeking as I was older, I looked beyond my religion because I couldn't find many teachers. And when I came to Kundalini Yoga, it was a great, the first class was a great synthesis of like this singing and chanting that I was very familiar with. You know, so for me, that came like very easily. Um, where I know that for many people, it's something really different. For me, it came very easily. And when I was actually moving my body, which I used to do a little bit in the synagogue, where you actually rock or move like this while you chant. But this was even more movement. Uh, it, it just spoke to me very deeply. Mm -hmm. So that's really what spoke to me was the synthesis of movement, rhythm, Mm -hmm. and uh um and the the spirit you know there was one other thing that and now that comes to talk of it my when i was a teenager one of my uh uh great heroes was chick korea he was a jazz musician and uh so music always spoke to me so i think um the actual practice of of kundalini as it was brought here was more uh, kind of open feeling, like improvisation. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? The kind of movement that you'd have like um, a minute or two within an exercise to kind mm -hmm. of be rhythmic. And that felt like playing an instrument to me. So it was very, very musical practice. Mm -hmm. And that really spoke to me because music always uplifts me. And I married a jazz musician. Yes. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> So been married for a long time now, yes. Yeah, over 30 years we've been together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what brought me to it. That first class was mm -hmm. very inspiring. And it literally wasn't the first yoga class I'd done. I'd done some other forms of yoga that didn't really uh, inspire me so much. Yeah, yeah, that's something truly magical about Kundalini Yoga, that, that synthesis of... Uh, movement and rhythm and meditation together it's uh, very calming and i don't know somehow it transports you into different time and place yeah it gives gives um th that kind of that recipe that syn synthesis that recipe uh brings you to these states of experience that we call god or we call um you know elevated consciousness or um, you may even have different brain states that you can call them, uh, but you can just, and as you grow, uh, your experiences do shift and become deeper over time. And that's, it's not like you have an experience and that's it. It just mm. keeps evolving just as we evolve. It's, it's really been fantastic for me. Yeah, um, there's I no end to this. It's no. not like, oh, one day you will be like, oh, I know. It's like, no, <laughs> we are always just opening the doors, <laughs> new doors. But um, what what made you then decide that, OK, this is what I'm going to do. This I'm going to help others to feel in this way, to discover these states and then become the teacher. 
that you are and dedicate your full time to it. You know, you asked me that question and I'm, it wasn't a conscious decision. Mm. Um, I did have a near death experience right before I met Kundalini Yoga. So it, I just started doing it. And uh, back then there were no, not a lot of yoga at all. There were no yoga mats. There was no yoga business really. And um, uh, I didn't live where there were a lot of classes. There was an ashram, but it was, you know, an hour, about an hour away. So it wasn't like I was there all the time. My husband is a jazz musician. I dress in white, he dresses in black. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, um, I didn't have any attachment to the thing of it. It just, something in me, I, I, I really am, it wasn't a conscious decision to do it, mm -hmm. because certainly I couldn't have made that decision because it wasn't popular at that time mm -hmm. at all. So, you know, nobody was going to be a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. That wasn't there. Like mm -hmm. now it's something you can become. Back then, you know, uh, I just uh went into people's basements and went into some recreational programs and you know we taught yoga and i just enjoyed it mm -hmm. and uh it grew it grew i think within me as well as with in the culture at that time and i i feel so fortunate to have and i just want to inspire all of you to not ever get discouraged because you know there is always, always a place to go with your practice, always. And if you can keep the curiosity, despite all the hype um, and all the misunderstandings, if you just keep your practice, I think you'll find that it's as extraordinary as it always has been. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, because even in past few years, we have seen a lot of changes. Uh, even if we just look at pandemic, right, like that completely shifted so many personal practices and yoga studios. Um, and yeah, and you've seen it even more when there wasn't yoga as like the popular thing. It was just, it wasn't in magazines. It wasn't, uh, the meditations were not studied by scientists and people did not talk about mindfulness. <laughs> My book was written in 2002, my first book. Wow. It was the first book written by a yogi that I know of, uh, in my awareness, um, that is written by a yogi and a doctor collaborating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, yeah. So you were a pioneer of this. Uh, yeah, and um, you know, most people, including my family, thought I was a little you know, strange. And yet, as it grew, they all started like, shit going like, wow, did you predict this? And I said, No, I just love it. And and uh, I ended up, uh, my father really loved it. And mm -hmm. my mother in law, who's 90, mm -hmm. now really loved, uh, has practiced yoga and um, loves it. And, and uh, I went from the real strange one to um like the happy one which mm -hmm. is really interesting yeah that's a really nice shift 
I think there is still this attachment, this kind of like, oh, yoga teachers are strange, especially if they wear turbans. <laughs> um, mm. but, um, and, but then now there is like a little bit more stigma to it. There, is, there are certain expectations how you should be. But uh, I like how you said that this was kind of like, uh, you didn't choose it consciously, this path, you just, I think these are some of the best decisions, right? We just yeah. kind of go with the flow and do what we like, do what fulfills us. And mm. still work, you know, like I, I worked until I worked a regular job and I, I didn't resent it and I loved it and it was fine. And uh, there's no rush for anything. And I, that would be the one thing I would tell people from I'm now 66. And I would say, don't rush, practice. That'll bring you everything. Mm -hmm. It'll bring you everything you need. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So since you're talking about practice, um, what are some of your favorite practices or how would you recommend people to practice? Uh, practice every day. That's mm -hmm. it. And if you don't practice, learn from that. But um, practice a little something. It doesn't have to be big. I mean, mm -hmm. and uh, um, yeah. I think I got a little bit in trouble because I, 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 a while ago I was in a book and I said, no, no, practice for hours. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just because that's something I'm just so curious. And so yeah. at the beginning we did that because we were very curious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I, I was very curious and I'm a real nerd and I like researching it, my own experience. So um, uh, the two uh, Kundalini practices that I really like are is called the morning long chant. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Ekonkar, the creator and the creation are one. Yeah, Satanam, let's talk about it. It's beautiful. Yes. Guru, and um, you do it in the two and a half breath cycle for two and a half hours. But even if I do it for a short time, I really love that. And it's become a good friend. And when you ask me what I love, I would say I love what I've practiced. And so whatever you practice, uh, chances are you will fall in love with it because you develop a relationship if you give yourself a chance. Mm -hmm. And um, I like Sakriya. Mm -hmm. So that's these are the two. Yeah. And for the exercises, I love all the Kriyas because I find that the exercises in Kundalini Yoga give me vitality as I age. Mm -hmm. And no matter what is going on with my body, I had a broken foot, I am a cancer survivor, no matter what has happened, I've been able to practice. Mm -hmm. And that, and it's been able to, I've been able to access vitality through the practice. And that has, uh, that's really amazing to me. Mm. And it keeps, I feel it keeps that vitality, that youthful kind of that feeling of vitality in me. So any of the Kriyas I like, just pull mm. one out and just roll around the floor and do the best you can. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, you're very good at teaching all the Kriyas. It's like anytime I would come to class, I would be tired after the day of work or whatever. And I was like, oh, I can't do this. But somehow 
I don't know how I ended up doing all these <laughs> powerful exercises, even though I thought I was drained. So yeah, it creates this space of like relaxation and then, oh, you know, then you can do anything once you're relaxed, I guess. That's true, Zita. You can uh, go anywhere you want from a point of relaxation. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, but let's uh, talk about, I do want to talk about a long time, um, long ekonkar, the morning, uh, a long morning call yeah. and satkriya. Like what, what, how did it, how did the morning call feel for you? Let's, let's even, if someone doesn't know what it is, maybe let's go through the mantra and explain a little bit how it is. Maybe people will want to practice it. And then for how long would you recommend to practice that? Oh, okay. So the mantra is in a language like Gurmukhi and it is Gurmukhi. Um, <laughs> It's a language like Sanskrit, it's in, in that same vein. And the mantra is ek, ong, O-N-G. Ek is like I-K, like between I-K and E-K. Ong, O-N-G, that N-G, nasal. Uh, car, K-A-R, like car. Um, and the second, uh, we do that in a long form. So you take a deep breath in and you check you chant ek and then om kar and they're equal and it's on the exhalation and so um you do the same thing with the next two words three words which is sat and nam sat is truth nam is name and then siri s-i-r-i which is great is that experience that truth that the creator and creation are one ekonkar uh, Satanam city. And then the last part, Wa, Wa, Hey Guru. It's another name for God in uh, Gurmukhi. And it also means like when I was at the Golden Temple in India, this was my best experience of that mantra. A woman was sitting there and she was, that's the experience. <laughs> that dog is experiencing Wa, Hey Guru right now. Um, it's uh, uh, a woman was sitting there and she was going, whoa, 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 like this absorption in wah. Mm. And so wah is this, you know, expansive quality. And hey, guru is, is here's the guru. The guru, the wisdom is right here now with us. So you do it in two and a half breaths. Mm. And this mantra, is, you can do any way you want. You can chant it in a monotone. You can do anything you want with it. You can make up your own melody if you'd like. And uh, you can chant it in this format. I like this format because it slows your breath and it's a real linking of your breath, which is so powerful for your health and mind and uh, nervous system and gland. It's just anything that goes breath and sound together to me is what we call Leia yoga and it's my kind of my love mm -hmm. Leia yoga means the linking of sound and breath mm -hmm. and so um, you create a rhythm with your sound and your breath it makes it easier to have a longer breath which gives you this 
expansive mental state. I like this experience. Mm -hmm. So should I chant it? Yeah, once? let's do oh. uh, once. Yeah, so we know how it sounds. So you take a deep breath. I'll do it. Um, you'll hear me take a deep breath, chant echo and car. Another and, and you're chanting. Whenever you're chanting, you're exhaling. So you're chanting on the exhalation. And then you take another deep breath. That's the second chant, Sat Nam. And at the very end, Siri. And then you take a half breath and chant Waheguru. It moves up the spine through the crown. That's one of the kind of ways that that sound moves. So uh, let me just take a moment. Throw myself in. And then we touch first fingers to the thumb. And so we have a, a mudra and you can rest them on your knees and the eyes close. You can lightly put your eyes at your brow point. That means the eyes close and go gently upward towards uh, Ajna Chakra, third eye. Place uh, sensitive to light. And so I'll just chant it for you and you can listen and let it move upwards. So when I say Wahe Guru, the Guru goes way out into the space around you. I'll inhale. Make even just one repetition already gave us a little taste right this meditation always reminds me of it's like a little um, massage for the subtle body or the massage for the chakras or like the inner world everything gets kind of fulfilled and does not feel empty or striving for something it's like yeah, it. really relaxing. And you can just, um, the key to chanting is where you put the chant, you imagine it in the central channel. And then you put some energy toward it. And then the next thing is you listen to your own voice. And that is so nice. If you can fall in love with your own voice, that's really a big deal. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and that voice is chanting something so beautiful. So that's how you, you know, empower the mantra to be healing for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I find that to be in the early morning hours, just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And some of my, you know, high points of meditation have happened during my 40 day practices of that uh, mantra. 
I remember the whole staff at my yoga studio practiced uh, 40 days, two and a half hours in the morning. Mm -hmm. And we would basically sleep in the afternoons and have nap time and everything somehow got done. It was, it was really, uh, you know, and to start, I, I don't really recommend two and a half hours, you know, get to learn the chant and unless you're as curious uh, as me and you want to give it a try, it's fine, but um, yeah. yeah, there are some people, uh, actually, I had a, a co-worker, a friend, and I think the first Kundalini class she went to was the two and a half hours of long Ekankar during the, uh, the sadhana in Yogi Bhajan's birthday that we used to celebrate like that. Yeah. And she had a great time. She never yeah. done it before, but somehow... Yeah. Yes, that's how it used to be too. We we just were curious what's going to happen, mm -hmm. and not so judgmental of each individual experience. Mm -hmm. You know, because just like your mood, you know, things change over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So whatever practice you choose is going to have its ups and downs. Uh, although yeah. I I just don't take any one practice session too seriously at all. Yeah, and you mentioned that idea um, already of like, let's see what happens, right? Um, yeah. And I, I like that, like, let's experiment with the body a little bit and see what effect, you, you don't even have to know um, what someone said about it or try it out yeah. yourself. Imagine having practiced when nobody had said anything about it. That's what we were, we didn't have this information mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it was practicing then getting together with your friends and mm -hmm. saying what was that wow you know mm -hmm. what, what was your experience and to me all meditations really lead to the same place mm -hmm. and yeah. each individual person processes what they got to go through and mm -hmm. what they need to learn about themselves and the same place you get to the same place of love and that's mm -hmm. really what it is for me and that's how i saw the yoga it was a way without becoming a rabbi or some kind of, you know, religious thing. It was a way I could share love and mm -hmm. my amazement and awe uh, of life without having to really have such a belief system, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, or belong to some kind of... Uh... Right. So that's what I was a child of the 60s. So we were expanding a lot. And so, um, you know, it was like, wow, I don't have to be in one religion. I don't have to be in one belief system. So now, you know, uh, be careful. Don't, don't limit your yogi. No matter what someone tells you it is, know that it's, you know, know your yamas and niyamas, have your ethical base and then fly mm -hmm. you must have that ethical base without that you know it doesn't work as you can see from yoga so keep that ethical base and then you can really fly mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's true and and most but even what's better is that experience of love and union with others and union with nature and the feeling of that's what we all long for at the end of the day, right? And nothing, nothing touches it, nothing. Like, 
all the pain in the world and all the stress in the world, once you really awaken that, can never be taken away. Mm-hmm. You can be in a bad mood and you can be actually miserable and angry as a volcano and make tons of mistakes and it's still there. Mm. What do you mean it's still there? The, the love is still there. And it's managing you. It's like a couple, a marriage, a good marriage, like over time, you know, my husband and I will still start fighting or something, but we can't face each other when we fight because we're laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Because, no, I'm really attached, you know, and we're really just laughing because we know it's the same fight we've always had. (laughs) (laughs) And we just have to let some energy out, you know, so it's not really a fight. It's just funny. And so he goes, Turn around. I said, no, no. <laughs> you know, once I turn around, I can't be attached to my, uh, my position because we just start laughing at each other. <laughs> so it's like that, like no matter what happens in life and the things that make you so upset that you, you know, whatever it is that's there, somehow, if you nourish that love, it just wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's stronger than anything else. That oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, let's, uh, I do want to get to Satkriya, but I want to know what, how else would you recommend to nourish that love? Uh, whether it's in relationship, I think it's something interesting, or just in, um, in life in general, um, in your everyday life. I would say the Yamas and the Yamas are a good place to start, you know, the... Um, you know, just giving your life a context. Like today, my life is about truth. What does that really mean to me? You know, what does that mean to me? You know, to really get to know your what's going on in there. Uh, today, my life is about uh, non-harming, ahimsa. What does that really mean to me? To really take go personally into that. And... Uh, um, and the way you do it is it just in the morning, you ask yourself, you know, what is this about? You, 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 you contemplate. And so, you know, the yamas and the yamas have things like truth or uh, discipline or um, like inspiration to practice zeal, you know, self-study. Why do self-study? What well, ask yourself before you just take on a practice, like, where are you going with it? You know, actually sit with yourself and do some of those contemplations. And that really nourishes you getting to the seed of what's, uh, what values are important to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether it be generosity or kindness or um, compassion or love or uh, truthfulness or authenticity. And once that connection's made, like, wow, that's my dharma, that's my thing in the world, that will open up the love so much. So spend the, I would spend the time with the, with the yamas and niyamas and, uh, and uh, your self-knowledge uh, and realization for yourself. Not like, don't get all, um, you know, narcissistic with it. It's just sitting and asking yourself these questions. And the goal is for you to 
um, work through the things that prevent you, you know, for you to work through the things that prevent you from um, getting there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like that's the work that we actually end up doing in meditation, or then even in maybe not in the actual meditation, but in these like little meditative states we get during the day, right? Like maybe having tea or walking or looking at something where you get to ask yourself these questions. Yeah. And you, you, you begin to elevate, you begin to speak to the higher consciousness, you know, and you let it have a voice. There's a lot of inner critic, there's a lot of other voices in your head. So the contemplation is just, you know, gives you a chance for your higher consciousness to have a voice as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the meditation, uh, sorry to bring it up there again, is that it helps you to find this contemplative state easier. The, yes, the actually, that's very good. Meditation, especially in Kundalini Yoga, many of the meditations are are really concentration exercises. They're to get you to the point so you can meditate. If you look at the, um, you know, pratyahar, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi, if you look at those, those kind of ways of meditation, the parts and the stages of meditation, um, kundalini uh, meditations often are like preparatory to full absorption. Mm -hmm. And and then some are full absorption meditation. But what was so brilliant about it is it, it really builds tremendous focus and uh, um, resilience and endurance to meditate. Mm -hmm. And so when you get that, that gives yourself the chance for the brain states to really change, mm -hmm. gives you the patience and the strength of the nervous system to, to continue. So that's where I think the Kundalini style of meditating is, it is very effective. Mm -hmm. Some are yes. very uh, simply concentration exercises. And then they're, uh, those cons they, they develop a very powerful focus. And you know, right now, you know, if I think of, what might be important to people is to reclaim our focus, reclaim our attention. Like, take it back so you can go to sleep when you want to go to sleep. Take it back. Get comfortable with yourself. And these meditations are entertaining enough <laughs> and hard enough so that you can actually reclaim it um, without sitting forever wondering and going through a lot of frustration, it actually works quite effectively and efficiently for the modern mind that we're confronting right now. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's a tremendous antidote to um, difficulty with focus and attention. Yeah, yeah, because this is a huge problem oh. right now. And it's going to be even bigger, right, yes. because of all the distractions we have. And it's not we shouldn't feel guilty for having all these things, but we need to know how to handle it, that we do need to come back to ourselves and um, to, what did you say, uh, reclaim our own perception. And our attention, reclaim and our attention. I attention. read a wonderful article in, I believe it was 
the New York Times. Um, and it was about, you know, how people have portfolios and financial portfolios or art portfolios or that you would have a time portfolio. Mm -hmm. Because what do we spend more than anything? Time. Mm -hmm. So maybe this year have a time portfolio. How would you like to spend your time? Mm -hmm. Really? And then you have your portfolio, you know, you have how you spend your money and how you spend, you know, have your art and everything. But this is how I want to reclaim my attention. And this is where I want to put my time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my husband is a master of it. And I just respect him so much. He's a, a renowned, world-renowned jazz musician. And he stays up all night in the quiet of the night. He'll practice three or four or five hours. Mm -hmm. and he'll do his yoga and meditation in the, and uh, he might he'll sleep during the day but the idea is nothing will stop his pra that practice mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah so um let's uh then try uh, talk about the different kind of practice the satkriya which is uh, you know it's much more energizing it's almost like an aerobic exercise uh, what makes it one of the most important for you well i learned early on it was considered the foundation of kundalini yoga and i'm very uh, I, my mind works in ways that uh, uh, if it's something is a foundational then i would like to learn it mm -hmm. and, like I, I practice simple things over and over. And mm -hmm. that, that's what opens the most doors. So I, you know, something like the spinal flex, you know, practice the spinal flex for five minutes a day. This exercise we do a lot, Kundalini, where you flex the spine like this. Yeah. Five minutes. Yeah, for those who can see, uh, yeah. it's just um, moving yeah. your belly forward and back as you sit and you can do it sitting in a chair you can do it sitting on a floor you yeah work. you create like a half moon going forward and back with your lower spine and you rock forward on your sitting bones into the back of the sitting bones keeping your shoulders aligned over your hips and this is opening and exercising your lumbar spine and it's actually expanding what naturally happens when you breathe so it's the most natural thing. This happens very subtly when you inhale and exhale. This is what's happening down there. So this opens up uh, and massages. This part of the body gets very tight with stress. And just that one thing, if you practice simple things, the foundation just, everything else is yours. You know, then you can pick what you want. Satkriya to me is foundational because... Okay, before we get to Satkriya, I do want to talk a little bit more about this, uh, Tom, uh, about this spinal flex, because I would like for everyone to practice this every day for five minutes, like you said, even right now. It's so true. And it is, it combines exactly what I said, the synchronized breath, mantra, mind listening and movement so in this one exercise i have a student i've been teaching this and we do it for 11 minutes every time we get together and mm -hmm. people that that's isn't it a warm-up 
No, spinal flex is actually a Kriya. Mm. It's a completed Kriya. It's a complete exercise that, that handles everything. So really, uh, the spinal flex uh, is beautiful, and I hope you can show your listeners that. It's very true, Zita. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we, I don't know if we mentioned it's the inhaling as you move forward and exhaling as you go back. A little sniff in as you come forward, sniff out as you go back through the nose, like a rocking motion. Yeah. Forward and back, you close your eyes, and you. the first thing to do is just listen to your breath. Listen for the sound. That's the first mantra, is the sound of your breath. So you listen for the sound and listen so carefully. I love this metaphor as if your breath is your best friend and you ever be in a car following your best friend and you don't, you don't want to lose the person in front of you. Stay close <laughs> to your breath. Don't lose it. It's your best friend. <laughs> and, and so you just listen to that breath and keep your mind close to it. Keep your mind close to that breath, put your mind in the lower spine and just move at a pace that's not too slow and not too fast. It's about eight flexes every 10 seconds. And, um, and the rhythm makes a difference. So you want it not too slow, not too fast to go to either extreme. You want it in the middle because we're trying to get to our heartbeat. Once we get to the heartbeat, then immediately gratitude comes you realize you're alive and that stimulates gratitude in the higher consciousness yeah so it's the simplest thing leads to the deepest experiences really yeah yeah and you mentioned there is a mantra too because there is a mantra in there which you can do mentally yes the mantra sat as you come forward and nam as you go back nam and you mentally repeat it with the breath. Yeah, and I, that's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And if you're from a different tradition, you could use a mantra that serves you um, because uh, sacred words have power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, you can choose your own words, mm -hmm. the two words. Only. Yeah, and, and when I teach people uh, from Jewish tradition, we, they often say Hashem, Ha and then Shem, which is mm. another name like Satnam, a name for, uh, it's the sacred name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So people do use different mantras, but you want it, like I prefer that to one and two, because I think it adds something, you know, mm. valuable, mm -hmm. some kind of mantra. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because vib vibrations do have effect on our mind and on our bodies as well. Yeah. Okay. So, are we ready for Satkriya? Can we? Oh, get Satkriya. To <laughs> so Satkriya um, is um, a, a form of Leia Yoga, just like Ekankar that we linked the breath with the sound. So Satkriya links the breath the breath with the sound in such a powerful way that you don't really have to pay attention to the breath the breath is woven in to the sound so you when you say such you pull in the, the navel point around your belly button so it's contraindicated if you're pregnant when you're doing or if you're on 
your cycle because you're lifting that belly so much and we want to honor uh, the baby developing and the downward flow of energy and you're on your cycle. Uh, so otherwise, Satkriya, as you take, which is interesting because I've been practicing Satkriya for many years and I couldn't really do 40 days until I was in menopause. Mm. Because, <laughs> so it's interesting. So you can't really be too hard on yourself, right? You can't yeah. because, and, and I've never, I've uh, just uh, mastered the meditation, even doing it that way. You know, mm -hmm. without even being able to go the full 40 mm -hmm. days. So when you say suck, you, your belly, lower belly is like a swing and it comes in and up. So it's like soot, like S-U-T, soot. And then the breath will sneak in. It'll just sneak right in and then nom, it swings out. So it sounds like this, soot, nom, soot, nom, soot, nom, soot. Nam swinging in soot out nam soot nam soot nam and you don't want to also go too slow or too fast mm -hmm. and so it's about eight repetitions eight to every 10 seconds mm -hmm. and um there's a few different arm postures that you can do but the traditional one is you palms are together over your head with the arms extended or you can interlace your fingers and the index finger can be pointing up and that's the traditional and then you stretch the arms up over your head and you're sitting on your heels so you really have this like rocket ship so i've nicknamed it the rocket ship so it's kind of like this you create this powerful posture because sitting in rock pose you can use a block or um even in a chair the idea is when you create this and um, it's like you've got booster rockets here and you really are freeing up a lot of um, energy there by exercising. Uh, there's a major mm -hmm. artery there, it's just digestion, it helps you eliminate, it helps you clear the air um, and clear your mind. So really uh, the way they talk about the movement of energy is from the belly to the brow. Mm -hmm. That's really what's happening. It's going between the navel point, which is like the dantian, to the brow. This is the navel point. Dantian is where energy is stored for you. And the brow point is where you can um, project, you know, light into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so you said it um, frees up a lot of energy from like the belly and or right. the energy from your lower chakras or right so what we mean by that is um when you know uh when you're having difficulty with digestion or when you're um when you've had sexual trauma or you're going through uh like menopause or you know, trying to get pregnant, or a male is having erectile dysfunction, or um, is not in a relationship and, and struggling with sexuality not being expressed. There's a lot, and sexual energy is a very powerful part of our practice, and this Sakriya is really good for this. It's really good for saying hello to this area, I'm here for you, 
I want to help. I want to nourish you by uh, letting the muscles move, letting the nerves uh, get attention. And also uh, the kidneys are tied in there and the kidneys are, uh, you know, a basis interacting with the reproductive and sexual organs for vitality. This is very, very foundational in Kundalini Yoga, how we relate to our sexual energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, Kundalini Yoga is thought of as an energy of the uh, of the sexual kind, almost as well, not the sexual kind of the second chakra, right? It says that it is connected with the second chakra a lot is the main, but the it can be and often is uh, imbalanced. Well, how can it not be for just about everyone? Because yeah. it's so difficult to talk about and. Um, we're still at a very low point where people uh, worship youth and how you look and all kinds of things get very tied up uh, for young people, especially. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we have a ways to go to be able to talk about this. And it's, I've been a mentor for many young women and I've had the opportunity, you know, to talk to them about this and uh, it's very helpful to them to have a place to talk about it and mm -hmm. and uh, I, yeah. I you know um the practices of all yoga leads to what they call raising the kundalini and that means developing a kind compassionate way to heal and a kind and compassionate way to understand our creative force of energy. And really Qigong uh, starts with that, mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. understanding yeah. it, really yeah. pretty much. Yeah, they talk about it a lot, but they have difficulty. It, it, you know, all the teachers have difficulty in, in this culture. And mm -hmm. so- um, Yeah, yeah, because on one hand, it's uh, in our culture, this, second chakra energy is like all everywhere right you see it on all the ads in all the tv in songs and it's everywhere but on the other hand it's uh there is kind of uh, restrictions around it and secrecy around it and um it's it's manipulated in some ways that you can you can only express in certain way the second chakra energy not in others and so it's so uh, it's dysfunctional it becomes dysfunctional in that right and i think understanding um the dark side and the shadow side um will really help people navigate life more easily mm -hmm. you know, yeah. for themselves and, and keep them so you know like help to keep us safe and help to keep our privacy and our intimacy sacred and Kriya really does help you uh, keep these areas of the body healthy by giving them attention, circulation, the pulsing of the navel point really loosens up and helps your digestion, your elimination, your um, uh, your, your uh, uh, reproductive organs, um, and uh, it gives you access to that that part of your body, and that's a powerful part. There was a saying once that. Uh, people practice kundalini or possibly all forms of yoga they're okay from the they're fine from the 
diaphragm up, you know, they're awakened already, they, they, they have a seeking nature, their heart is open, they want to be in the space of love. Um, and so really, that's where all the work needs to be done. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. they can reside in the space of love. And it said that the goddess in the lower chakras is Kali, who is really fierce and, and helping you to, you know, clear the way from any of the struggles you've had. And that when you, the goddess at the heart center is clothed in white, sitting on a white lotus and relaxed. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but we, we have to, you know, and it's not like you get there, like we said at the beginning of our conversation, not like you get there and that's it because new things happen in life. So Kali is very useful. <laughs> And Kali is definitely there to help us, mm -hmm. you know, that fierceness to get to um, be with ourselves and our fears, right, and, and work with them. Mm -hmm. And then to find, wow, I've gained some self-knowledge mm -hmm. for myself. Yeah, yeah, and not be afraid of that Kali. She... Um... Yeah, she's part of us like everything else. Well, yeah, and sometimes you get really afraid. <laughs> you just have to say, whoa. So it's nice to know that's where you have friends, therapists, spiritual guides, whatever works for you, teachers uh, this, that can help guide you through those moments. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, we got Satkriya, we got spinal flexes, and we got morning call, long ekankar truly, truly foundational practices that I feel like um, people practice them and then they forget them because they think they're too foundational, too basic. But they, it's like you said, you if you have the basics, you have done everything, everything else. Yeah, that's why they're basics. They have everything within them. They're the seed of everything that comes out. So if you practice the basics, you've you're actually got the seed that's got everything in it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes 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 you got the seed so uh let's move on a little bit to uh away from kundalini yoga um what other you mentioned qigong uh what other practices or what maybe arts or sciences or people maybe that inspire you uh well my husband really inspires me uh, because I watch his discipline with music mm -hmm. and he's he's really shows you what I, I can watch what practice does mm -hmm. and what I love about music is you know it's easy to quote people on social media or to say get rid of your fears or this or that but to play music you can tell if it's good or not you know, it's very clear. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you cannot fool anyone. And uh, I really respect that. It's really been an amazing journey with him all these years. Um, if you were to see here, I have my piano and my new Moog synthesizer. Mm. I'm I'm starting to play again. Yeah, yeah. Music. Yeah. Oh. And um, so music is like my foundation of what I love. Um, and I'm a, uh, I love all creative arts, the, the 
my, my studio, the uh, descriptive line was dedicated to the expression of the creative spirit. Yes. So, of course, music and um, I've been a writer for many, many years. So uh, writing of all kinds and I read fiction and poetry and uh, all kinds of I'm a reader, active reader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Any book that you would like to share that inspired well, you lately or maybe long time ago that you're still thinking about it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, um, well, a long time ago, one of my first basic awakenings uh, happened around a book called The Thirteen Petaled Rose, but it is um, around the Jewish or Old Testament kind of thing about angels and how things work, but it's called, it's a Kabbalistic basic text, oh, The Thirteen yeah. Petaled Rose by Stein Saltz. And um, I was quite young when I read it and I had this huge Kundalini experience. I didn't know it was called that then. And um, one of uh, Dave's uncles I became quite religious and I saw the book on his table and I said, oh, I love that book. And he looked at me and said, you understand that? And I said, yes. And he goes, really? <laughs> so <laughs> I have this kind of relationship with this stuff that I just, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. up or I have some kind of in there. Mm -hmm. And um, the the fiction, I, I know that sometimes the stories weren't that friendly to women, but in high school, there was a writer who created a breakthrough in language. And to me, words are notes, they're vibrations. So when I read this, it's Hemingway. When I read Hemingway, Ernest Hemingway, um, yeah. my teacher, I so understood because he really had a breakthrough in how he used language. And so when I read it, I became very, very elevated so that my teacher um, said, for the whole year of advanced placement English, he put me in advanced place. All I did was read Hemingway and write and learn to write and practice writing and understand his style. And it was, uh, mm. so he, uh, he did get the Nobel Prize for Literature. And uh, it is just the way he uses language really, I, not a lot of adjectives. It's just very direct and very deep mm -hmm. and very honest. A lot of pain, a lot of loss, a lot of grief and a lot of joy. Mm -hmm. But in, to be in high school and be reading about uh, sexuality and loss and grief and war, a lot of it mm -hmm. is about war because he was a war correspondent and to be reading about war and then having the vietnam war then so it had a deep uh effect on me uh so and then of course there's uh lots of uh those are just two and then i have a lot that i wrote down those are two ones and i wrote down a few and i went like oh my goodness so other arts oh, music i wanted to say for music Can I interrupt you for a second i'm gonna I have to let her go. It's, she's so restless here. Oh, it's okay. I'm gonna let her go in another way.
Okay, I'll feel better because she was just pacing here. And then the other one was the, what I wanted to say was in terms of spiritual texts is really reading the, the Siddhi Guru Granth and learning from the Old Testament and from the prayer books of Hebrew to the Siddhi Guru Granth and understanding what they were trying to get across, you know, was a big journey for me because it's really fire and brimstone and how do you deal with that fanaticism and it it really, I, I was able to open my heart and really get through all of that mm-hmm. nonsense to the, to the heart of it. And so yeah. that's, that's pretty interesting because there's so much um, misogynistic approach to women and there's so many things in there to get by mm-hmm. that yeah. the poetry, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm really glad I was able to get by it. Yeah. and understand really what the intentions were of those languages and those poems. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Siri Guru Grant is magic. <laughs> oh, wow. Guru Nanak. Yeah, him and so many other writers and, and yeah. gurus. And um, it has that quality that just goes beyond understanding. If you let yourself... Um, you know, one of the things I suggest to people if you're going to study yoga is the Book of Forgiving by Bishop Desmond Tutu. It's number one, because if you can let go of uh, what I was lucky, I had a great religious upbringing, but so many people did not and religion did not uplift them. If they could forgive that and forgive the people that didn't understand it and understand uh, that it was never meant in this way, um, they could maybe access then the, the the power of of what some of these wisdom traditions are trying to say mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. think the book of forgiving would be a number one text for me mm-hmm. for yeah, i heard you recommend it a lot i do and people they can't even get through the first chapter it's so difficult wow wow so if you've never read that one um it's bishop definitely tutu, on my list bishop desmond tutu is an inspiration to me. I've read all of his books. He's able to be completely in compassion and be absolutely honest about uh, social injustice. And that's very difficult mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to confront people on social injustice while being absolutely compassionate. Mm-hmm. So he, holds, he I respect him tremendously. May him may he rest in peace. And I, if you start with the book of for, uh, Forgiving, written by him and his daughter, the uh, poem right in the front of the book about his daughter, when you're not quite ready to forgive yet, uh, just keep reading. It's powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a skill I've learned, and I, it's a skill to forgive. Mm-hmm. It's a skill. Mandala, yeah, it's a skill. And once you learn it, you will know it. I highly, highly suggest this for anybody on any path of self-knowledge and healing. In what ways do you feel like people need to learn forgiving? So they don't care. It's like, so you don't keep drinking the poison Mm -hmm. of something that is over. Mm -hmm. You keep poisoning yourself. Yeah. 
That's true. Yeah, the more you you hold it within yourself. Yeah. You know, it's it, it it's about forgiving yourself and others. And the word forgiveness may be, you know, in yoga they say let it go, let it go. But what is letting it go but forgiving? It's it's yeah. uh, it's a tough word, and um, it's not a good sell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for workshops yeah. and such uh, and yet it's one of the most important things I learned in my life mm-hmm. and to be able to truly truly live under that shower of forgiveness yeah yeah does he have any specific advice in that book oh yeah it's an eight-step program oh eight-step program yeah, there's eight steps you do in the first chapters. Wow. Um, and I joined it when I was in, still living in Boston, and he just came out and he put his forgiveness challenge internationally, and tens of thousands of people signed up, and I signed up with all those people at the very beginning. This is about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was a wonderful, very difficult. His stories are very difficult. If you don't know Bishop uh, Desmond Tutu, he was one of the ones who uh, was on the team that handled the um, reconciliation of of apartheid. Mm -hmm. So that's very deep. He has a, if anybody can teach about it, it's it's him. And I, I really highly, that book is very high up Mm -hmm. for me. Um, I have other ones I can give you a whole list. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> sure. Let's uh, let's if you have them ready, let's hear yeah. it. Um, um, the life of Milarepa. Oh yes, that's another the life one. of oh, Milarepa. And the um, the translation I have is by Lab Sang Lalungpa, and I can send it to you. And. Yeah. Um, if you're a student on the path, it's wonderful to read because he he gives his account, this great Tibetan saint, of his transformation on the path, mm-hmm. and it is is very powerful. Highly mm-hmm. recommend the life of Milarepa, mm-hmm. um, and anything uh, I like. I really like at a journal workshop by Ira Progoff. He was a depth psychologist um, who. Uh, was around the times of Jung, Carl Jung, and his uh, he has programs called the Journal Workshop, highly recommended for seekers and writers. Uh, his name is mm-hmm. Ira Progoff. Progoff, okay. And then, of course, you know, I'm a big fan of poetry, but that's another thing. And music. <laughs> um, Bach and uh, the like the Goldberg variations, uh, very high, uh, and uh, Lenny Tristano and uh, Chick Corea, um, that kind of jazz mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I like very much. Improv- improvisational jazz, mm-hmm. yeah, not free jazz, but improvisational jazz. Improvisational jazz, yeah. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, so we I hope we filled everybody's uh, minds with all, all kinds of great ideas and books and music and uh, relaxation. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, thank you so much. Is there anything else you would like to share? When you asked me to do the interview, um, I, I wanted to tell people to be patient with their practice, to try to let go of any guilt and be an explorer like a curious child, mm -hmm. like you're about seven years old and want to see what's over the hill. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're like, wow, I, I just want to go see what's on the other side of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, I want to go into that garden and smell the roses. And um, if you like music and you like literature or you like use that, uh, like read it or do, or listen to it before your practice or as part of your practice to inspire you. Mm -hmm. And know that you can pave your own path. There. Uh, yeah. 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 I love it. I love it. Thank you. Uh, I think everybody's, I think we all find it, I found it inspiring. So thank you so much. And your body is truly a wonderful place to start exploring. Absolutely. <laughs> On and your as, mind. It's not, as, there's nothing boring once you go deeply within. No. And I remember I was talking about metaphors for the body and there was a teenager in the room and we were doing yoga and she said, I said, well, what is your body to you? And she goes, well, my body's an experiment. <laughs> and I loved it. And I said, oh, how beautiful, you know, and that moment of all of us being together had is just the study of yoga brings moment after moment of wisdom and teaching to you. If you listen to yourself and each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, talk about your practice, you know, don't think that the practice exists in a vacuum. It is you having it, but talk to people, you know, mm -hmm. talk to your teachers, yeah. talk to friends who you're practicing with. Um, and, uh, and be patient. Be patient. It's worth it. It's worth it. Mm -hmm. I think how to can tell you, and I can tell you that I don't regret one moment of practicing yoga or teaching yoga not one it was all fantastic yeah that's true that's true oh wonderful <laughs> thank you satnam satnam so yeah once again people can find hari kaur on harinyc.com um she's teaching she has women's workshop full moons workshops um teacher trainings of course one of the best teacher trainings that we know of <laughs> so if you want to become a teacher or you're just curious about what it is kundalini yoga and want to know more and you and also what the teacher training does it really helps you start the personal practice that's it that was my I didn't know there was a personal practice even before you know I practiced yoga before I didn't know that that is something you can do on your own. Mm -hmm. um, so that helped to start it and taught me to do that. Um, so thank you and if anybody is interested they can do that with you. Online or in person are you doing anything yeah. Yeah, in person for sure, and online I'm there. Uh, I've even done interesting things, Harakarin. Yeah. I'm doing one-on-one -on -one teacher training. Wow. 
Yeah. So people study with me for a few years and we work, work it out and it's quite nice. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So for some people who like are new moms or something and they, they just want to study at, at, at a different kind of pace. Uh, and, it, it, you know, we, it's time to make things work for mm-hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time to make things work and open our minds to uh, uh, thinking outside the box and being able to uh, help each other out. Yeah, and let the wisdom flow out of yeah. the box. that's right thank you so much for listening if you like this podcast please consider leaving a review that would mean a lot you can also join our patreon for daily sadhana for weekly messages weekly meditations or a book club we have a very interesting book club we read we write Bhagavad Gita Tao Te Ching and I have few more surprises coming up as well as few more exciting guests. Talk to you next time. Bye.